You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil right? Hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. Today we are discussing Book 4, Chapter 5, The Window on the West. Sorry, also The Two Towers. We're on Two Towers. Yep. I'm Caitlin. <laughs> that is the book. And it's the second best month of the year now. And I'm really excited about it. Second best. This is my favorite month. No, that's not true. I like Thanksgiving and also Christmas. But this is my birthday month. See, November is my favorite because that's when my birthday is. (laughs) August is my favorite because... No. (laughs) (laughs) Like, fall is my favorite season and November, my birthday. So, yeah. It's fair. And it's a good season. October is very good, too, though. Thank you. So, um... I'm Rachel, and I just paid off all of my student loans. Woo! Me too, recently. <laughs> Yay, us. I'm we so proud of you guys. did the thing. God. Oh my yeah. god, that's beautiful. Literally, my life is different now. Yeah, because you I have mean, extra hundreds of dollars every month. Yeah. Yeah. I did extra mine the- Extra hundreds of dollars? Hundreds of extra dollars. Oh, I hate myself. <laughs> I gotcha. Don't worry. <laughs> I did mine the chaotic good, or lawful good, depending on how you think about it, way, um, where I- put all of my savings into it because oh. absurdly high interest rate. Yeah. I feel like but that's, I anyway. mean, since it's the whole thing, it's all of the savings, you got to go chaotic good. Yeah. It's got to be the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and I'm Emmy, and I this week have acquired a new plant. It is a Japanese dwarf fern that I have named Vern. Oh, very nice. Vern is the perfect name for a fern. I like Amazing. it. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who's doing what? I can do characters, unless Emmy wants to. I will do the short summary, which I enjoy. Uh, So characters for this week. We have uh, Frodo, who is a hobbit with a secret. We have Faramir, a human man who wants to know the secret. We have Sam, who just just blurts out the secret. (laughs) Uh, And also Mablung and Damrod. Greatest names. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are there and not yet dead. Um, we also get some mentions of other characters that we know. We have Boromir, who is uh, Faramir's brother, who's dead. We have Aragorn, who's Elendil's heir, who is not dead. We have Gandalf, a.k.a. Aloran, a.k.a. Mithrandir, a.k.a. They gave him another name, and I don't even remember it. The great who's totally was mentioned. Yeah. Something else. Um, he- oh, it was like the people in the South had another name for him. Anyway, so many Gandalf names. But Gandalf, totally super dead. Definitely, absolutely <laughs> dead. For real. Absolutely haven't had him come back to life already in this book. He's super dead. 
100% did. <laughs> uh, we also have Gimli, who is talked about because he doesn't like blindfolds. And we have Galadriel, who is awesome and still terrifies every single person in Middle-earth. And the short blurb for this chapter, um, Frodo makes a new friend. Sam puts his foot in his mouth, but everything's okay because the movie took huge liberties with this particular story arc. Which I guess we can talk about when we watch the movie. Fair enough. We meet. Yeah. No. Moving on. So the long summary. Long you know, before we get into it, summary. I just want to mention that I really loved this chapter and I feel like Tolkien finally got the hang of walking and talking at the same time. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. And it was it was really well done. Mm-hmm. There was so action props, with our dialogue. Yeah. Props to good old Tolkien. So Sam awakens from his nap to find that Frodo and Faramir, more F names. And I'm going to say them a lot during this summary. So <laughs> we should keep a count on how often I fuck it all up. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, they are having a little chat. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's an interrogation, but almost. Uh, Faramir is trying to get out of Frodo what Isildur's bane is, and Frodo is trying to give Faramir all the information he has except that. He tells him who Aragorn is, what the company, nope, where the company started from, and where they went, and where Frodo and Sam left the company, and says that Boromir's plan was to set out for Minas Tirith right away, so Faramir just goes home. He could ask Boromir all of these questions. Excellent deflection, Frodo. Boromir is, of course, also not dead. (laughs) Boromir's not dead and Gandalf (laughs) is dead. Yeah. It's fine. Faramir is a little... Softly in corner. Yeah. Faramir is a little put off by a hobbit telling him to go home and then asks Frodo if he was (laughs) a friend of Boromir's. Frodo hesitates, but says that he was indeed a friend of Boromir's. This leads Faramir to informing Frodo of Boromir's death. Frodo asks how he could know this, but then Sam jumps in and starts telling Faramir off for trying to trick Frodo into confessing to murdering Boromir. That was so much Fs, guys. Jeez. Wow. (laughs) It's like a tongue twister, except not like that at all. Faramir basically tells Sam to sit down and shut up. And then they're lucky he hasn't just killed them on sight as he has orders to do with anyone that they find in that land who hasn't permission to be there. And then uh, Faramir says, you asked how I know the son of Denethor is dead. Tidings of death have many wings. Night oft bring news to near kindred to said, Boromir was my brother. And this is just a very strange line to me because A, we find out that Faramir is Boromir's brother, which... I mean, we knew. But like tidings of death have many wings. Night oft bring news to near kindred. Is that like a thing? I don't know. Uh, So we already know that Faramir uh, also had the night visions. Like he had the vision of the riddle. You said that that, like Faramir also had the night terrors. (laughs) (laughs) Faramir sees things in his sleep. (laughs) So I'm kind of like, I'm wondering if this is a general thing where it's like, just your spiritual, because people talk about that, like having dreams of someone being dead before they get the news. Mm, um, that's true. But, or is it him thinking this because he's always had these magical dreams and he just has a skewed perception of reality? So I just Googled this line to see if there's any like discussion about this. And I got some fan fiction, because <laughs> obviously. And then I actually did get somebody in a book about lucid dreaming quoting it. So that's huh, interesting. Huh. That's really interesting. Um, the other thing I just remembered was that 
back when Boromir was still alive and, you know, saying things, he had all of these ridiculous Gondorisms. That's true, yes. So we yes, can also did. just blame it on Faramir just making things up. Or maybe, uh, maybe Boromir made it up and Faramir just quotes it now. I guess I... Like, that that's probably what it is. I guess I was just trying to see if it had ever come up before in... Or if there had been any... What, what am I saying? If we'd had any other instances in, like, the Silmarillion of people learning by dreams that somebody was dead. And I don't remember anything in particular, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. All right. So, moving on from there. Faramir calls to mind Boromir's horn, the Horn of Gondor, and then recounts the following vision. Five days ere I set out on this venture, eleven days ago, at about this hour of the day, I heard the blowing of that horn. From the northward it seemed but dim, as if it were but an echo in the mind— a boding of ill, we thought it, my father and I, for no tidings had we heard of Bormir since he went away, and no watcher on our borders had seen him pass. And on the third night, after another, and a stranger thing befell me. I sat at night by the waters of Anduin, in the grey dark under the young pale moon, watching the ever-moving stream, and the sad reeds were rustling. So do we ever watch the shores nigh Osgiliath, which our enemies now partly hold, and issue from it to harry our lands. But that night... All the world slept at the midnight hour. Then I saw, or it seemed that I saw, a boat floating on the water, glimmering gray, a small boat of a strange fashion with a high prow, and there was none to row or steer it. An awe fell on me, for a pale light was round it. But I rose and went to the bank and began to walk out into the stream, for I was drawn towards it. Then the boat turned towards me and stayed its place and floated slowly by within my hand's reach, yet I durst not handle it. It waded deep as if it were heavily burdened, and it seemed to me as it passed under my gaze that it was almost filled with clear water from which came the light and lapped in the water a warrior lay asleep. A broken sword was on his knee. I saw many wounds on him. It was Boromir, my brother, dead. I knew his gear, his sword, his beloved face. One thing only I missed his horn. One thing only I knew not, a fair belt, as it were, of linked golden leaves about his waist. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Boromir's dead. <laughs> Faramir had a vision of it. <laughs> Boromir- blah, 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 blah. He's dead. Boromir is dead and also um, Ophelia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Intense, right? Maybe that's what that was. Another one of uh, Tolkien's, I'm going to do Shakespeare, but better. Um. So yeah, Frodo confirms that that was Boromir as he knew him with the gifts from Lorien, but he also wonders if the vision was sent by the enemy and likens it to the faces in the dead marshes. But Faramir says his, uh, the enemy's work, fills the heart with loathing, but my heart was filled with pity and grief. Faramir goes on to explain that while that may have been a vision, the real horn cloven into has washed up on shore and is now with his father, Denethor. Uh, Faramir asks Frodo again if he knew anything of this. Frodo says he did not, but he is now worried for the rest of the company, friends and kindred, for if Boromir was slain, surely they all were. Faramir points out that someone must have put Boromir's body and things into the boat and sent him downriver, so at least some of the company must still be alive. Good thinking, Faramir. Yeah, he's a smart boy. Faramir says that they are going to take the hobbits back with them to their own HQ for safety and more questioning, for you are weary, and so are we, and blah, 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 somewhat less than 10 miles from here. I'm sorry? Like, we're all tired. We're going to go on a 10-mile hike. Just a short jaunt. What the fuck? That just seems... <laughs> I mean, I mean, remember, they're also types of Numenorians. So remember how Aragorn, like, wowed um, all of Rohan with how far he could walk? 
Exactly. Uh, 10 miles is nothing for them. They were running. Fine. Move. Meander. Shamble. Wander. <laughs> Traverse. I just I just can't imagine saying to someone, look, we're tired. Home is close. Just a 10 mile walk. <laughs> I don't think I've ever walked 10 miles at once. I don't it's a long actually way. I don't actually know because I use kilometers. I've definitely <laughs> done a 5k and that sucked. I've definitely done a 10k. Wait, maybe I did do a 10k. No, I did. Yes, sorry. It was a 10k. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, how did I forget? I spent like a month training for that shit. And that really sucked. Know. And that is less than 10 miles. These are strange yeah. people who lead very different lives than we do. <laughs> like if the men are cool with their 10-mile jaunt home, fine. I feel like Frodo and Sam would be a little bit like, oh, God. Sam especially. Yeah. He's got, got all very their pots and legs, pans. So. Ooh, that's a question because they had to abandon. Does he have his pots and pans? Oh, with yeah. Oh. They left all their stuff. I don't think so. Mm. I mean, he does in the movie, but you know. I feel like in the movie, his pack was like one prop, not like a prop with many different things. Yeah. Or like with many different Everything props Everything was tied inside. on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, did they leave it? They hid in the stuff, but then, you know, they were just sitting there for so long with Mablung and Damrod, so... So maybe they packed it all up. Maybe they did just gather it all up. Okay. I don't want to imagine Sam without his pots and pants, because he's not really Sam then, you know? We'll report back on this later, if it's mentioned. Otherwise, we'll just assume they're there. Of course. So Frodo and Faramir talk a little more as they walk, which is fabulous. Thank you, Tolkien, for adding this in. (laughs) Faramir admits that he cut off their speech because he decided he didn't want the entirety of his company listening to clues about Isildur's Bane. Faramir guesses that Isildur's Bane is some heirloom of the enemy, but does not guess the One Ring. He does also put together that Boromir and Frodo didn't part in friendship and tells a little of the line of stewards that have ruled Gondor for many generations and how Boromir felt about that and why they have not yet become the kings of Gondor and basically gives a younger brother's insight into who Boromir was. I also, I just, I found this bit really interesting because it's one, I mean, very classic, the line of kings, divine right to rule kind of thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's just what sort of caught me. Like, I mean, okay, yeah, I'm all for Aragorn being king because I love him. Mm-hmm. Once he finally learns to make decisions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, this is where it's brought up, like, we're also from the line of Numenor who are you know, still genetically superior to regular humans, even as it is diluted. So Mm -hmm. there you could make an argument that any of them is a better person. But the fact that it's been this long and they are still of this, you know, mighty race and were like respected and put in charge by the king, you know, forever generations ago and still aren't. It's just if you really think about it, like utterly bonkers, especially given if you consider like English history. And how, like, someone leaves for two seconds and is usurped. (laughs) That's true. They're a lot more fickle, though. Well, I would guess that that's part of what makes them noble, that they haven't taken the throne. You know, that they're not squabbling over it. Mm -hmm. I think they just have a martyr complex. Well, maybe that too. But also, it might be different in a world where, you know, like, quite literally, Aragorn's line was, you know, king by divine right. Like, the gods were like, here you go. Yeah. We won't kill you because you are good. And you can go and rule elsewhere. Yeah. And that's just what's absolutely wild, is to have laid out right there. Yeah. Like, so to that extent. I, I, I can imagine, like, if you, if 
it wasn't just somebody saying, I rule by divine right, but that literally everybody saw they rule by divine right. You might feel differently about it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And a tree that's a drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the tree has divine right for fuck's sake. It has like a <laughs> impressive lineage as we have previously talked about. Mm-hmm. It is interesting though. And sheds a lot of light on Boromir and why he was who he was. Mm-hmm. Which actually I feel like they did a really good job in the movies of showing and less so in the books because he was just sort of shown as honorable in the books until suddenly he super wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> until suddenly he really, that didn't happen. He was not. Yeah. So Faramir, nope. <laughs> One. <laughs> Frodo mentions that he always, that Boromir always treated Aragorn with honor. Faramir responds by pointing out that they had not yet reached Minas Tirith where the two of them would be rivals. Uh, the two Fs then talk about Gandalf for a bit, and Frodo tells Faramir that Gandalf died in Moria and all about the Balrog. R.I.P. Gandalf. Yeah. It's very sad. Faramir says that while Gandalf was in Minas Tirith, he was searching through old records, always looking for uh, anything about Isildur. From watching him and learning what he could, Faramir put together that Isildur must have taken something from the hand of the enemy in the last battle, and that no one knew what had come of that thing. All their own legends say that Isildur was killed when ambushed by orcs. Now, what I don't understand about this bit is how Faramir doesn't, like, taken from the hand of the... It's obviously the one fucking ring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for how smart you are. That's very... It should be a very famous story in his world, right? Like, very, very famous. How... Well, I can see where Isildur wanted to keep it secret and just his, because, you know, it's his precious... But but Faramir is the son of the steward of Gondor, who would. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they should have been in the know. Uh, I found it interesting that Gandalf was so open about what he was doing, and well, I don't know if it was just like he thought he knew Faramir was trustworthy, and so it was like if I have to ask one person about these records, but like if he's going and looking for this to try to figure out what happened to the ring, maybe you don't have the right to tell Frodo to keep it secret, keep it safe, (laughs) if you're just straight up going into the library and going, hello, secret books about a sealed door, please. Hey, Faramir, why don't you read over my shoulder? I did get the impression that Gandalf gave Faramir actually very little and that Faramir was just sort of smart about what was going on. But even so, like... the idea of him being smart. Yeah, I'm like just... how did how did Faramir just really sneak around Gandalf? I feel like Gandalf's a wizard. He could figure out some ways to keep people from seeing what he's looking at. So what he actually says is, but this much I learned or guessed. No, 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 sorry. Let me go back a bit. Mithrandir never spoke to us of what was to be, nor did he reveal his purposes. He got leave of Denethor, how I do not know, to look at the secrets of our treasury. And I learned a little of him when he would teach, and that was seldom. Ever he would search and would question us above all else concerning the great battle that was fought upon Daggerlad in the beginning of Gondor, when he whom we do not name was overthrown. And he was eager for stories of Isildur, though of him we had less to tell, for nothing certain was ever known among us of his end. So it seems like maybe Gandalf didn't have anybody else to ask. Yeah. Fair. And then Faramir just sort of put it all together. What a smart guy. He is. I love Faramir. He's the best. I really, I love this chapter. He's, I love his character, and I love just all of his conversations. I think I like Faramir more than I like Aragorn as, like, a human person. Faramir is my favorite. Well, he's definitely more decisive, so that's less <laughs> annoying. 
more decisive. And I just think while I could respect Aragorn, I think I would be friends with Faramir. I mean, that's fair. So the actual bit that I wanted to read here. What in truth this thing is, I cannot yet guess, but some heirloom of power and peril it must be. A fell weapon, perchance, devised by the Dark Lord. If it were a thing that gave advantage in battle, I can well believe that Boromir, the proud and fearless, often rash, ever anxious for the victory of Minas Tirith, and his own glory therein, might desire such a thing and be allured by it. Alas that ever he went on that errand, I should have been chosen by my father and the elders. But he put himself forward as being the elder and the hardier, both true, and he would not be stayed. But fear no more. I would not take this thing if it lay by the highway, not were Minas Tirith falling in ruin and I alone could save her, so using the weapon of the Dark Lord for her good and my glory. No, I do not wish for such triumphs, Frodo, son of Drogo. Good old Faramir. <laughs> so good. Faramir says a bit more about how he wants to see the glory of Gondor restored, including his famous line, I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only that which they defend. I don't know if that's actually famous. I just come across it everywhere. But I, like, have a lot of Lord of the Rings things in my life, so. I mean, it's not like all those who wander are lost, which is quite fucking literally everywhere. Frodo feels like he can trust Faramir and wants to tell him everything and get what help he can give, but the memory of what the ring did to Boromir holds him back. Unlike they were, and yet so much akin. They walk on for a bit, and Sam thinks to himself that Frodo has kept Gollum out of the talk, and there has been no sign of him on this journey. Sam, happily, does not bring him up. <laughs> I guess I should mention that we don't actually have any Gollum in this chapter, so there is no Gollum impressions this week. I'm sure you're all very sad, <laughs> but we distraught. are still accepting. We are still accepting your impressions of Gollum to be sent in to us uh, for when we get to the end of the two towers. Also enjoy a week of having your ears be safe. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Uh, as, or I'm sorry, whichever you prefer. As they get near their destination, Faramir says they will have to blindfold them for the rest of the journey. And Frodo is fine with this. Mentions how it is the same as what the elves did when they were in Lorien. Once their blindfolds are removed, they find themselves in a cave behind a waterfall. And Tolkien went on for like a page about how beautiful this waterfall is. But it's not important, so we're moving on. The hobbits are... Tolkien's rolling over in his grave. I mean, it sounds like a pretty waterfall. He spent so long on it. The hobbits are left alone for a bit. Uh, They overhear a soldier reporting a probable sighting of Gollum to Faramir, but they ignore that. Uh, Frodo falls asleep, and Sam forces himself to stay awake. After a bit, the hobbits are woken slash taken over to food, and then Faramir takes them to a secluded spot so they may talk more. Frodo tells Faramir oh, all note. the tales of their Sorry. journeys. Bop. Can, can I jump in? Yeah. Uh, part of Faramir taking them aside is like, it, it, it. he wants to talk to them, but also his excuse is like, it. you can't fall asleep so soon after eating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he does say that. It was just, just, it was so funny and so specific. He, it's specifically after eating meat. Yes. It's not good to fall asleep right after eating meat. I'm like, is that, is that true? Don't don't fall asleep or swim. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Frodo uh, tells Faramir all the tales of their journeys up to the escape from Moria. Frodo then asks to learn more of Ithilien and Osgiliath and the people of Gondor. And Faramir talks a little about the fading people of Gondor. And he mentions how lords started to care more about their ancestors than their sons. And how while maybe no one practiced any evil arts, there was still sort of a decline in nobleness. And the men of Numenor still hungered for endless life. Which, if we recall, is sort of... What got them in trouble and lost them Numenor to begin with, as well as, I mean, like, Sauron was there and corrupting everyone, but their desire for immortality fucked them over. Tut, tut. Um, he does also mention that the stewards were always very noble. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course they were. He tells a little of their history with Rohan, which we have covered elsewhere, uh, but leaves <laughs> out the bits about ousting the wild men and just taking their lands. Good old colonialism. Oh, he he says specifically, he's like, we give it to them. There are only a few people living there. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I cool. mean, I can see where perhaps Faramir himself isn't quite, wasn't there. He doesn't know how bad it was. And maybe, although he's a very learned man, actually. So I'm not going to give him that pass. I, I, I retract. I retract. Um, Considering Faramir's ultimate fate, I do like how much he goes on and on about how good the people of Rohan are and how much he likes them. His ultimate fate. Spoilers. Yeah, he marries one of them. Not the men. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Maybe the only one who is not a man who we know. One of the only women in this book. Maybe the only one. So um, Sam asks why he doesn't say much in his tales about the elves. And Faramir says that although they had a big alliance when Gondor and Arnor were first set up, men have come to mistrust and fear the elves. Faramir mentions that he envies Sam and Frodo for having met Galadriel, and this triggers Sam into going off on a very Gimli-like speech about how lovely and amazing Galadriel is. And this is Aww. just about where Sam puts his foot in it, and I'm just going to read the whole conversation. One oh, here. my secondhand embarrassment. Oh, Samwise. This is a good time to use your gaffer's names for yourself. <laughs> Was that one like Ninny Hammer? Yep. Yeah, Ninny Hammer. Okay. Um, then she must be lovely indeed, said Faramir. Perilously fair. I don't know about perilous, said Sam. It strikes me that folk takes... Th- that folk takes... Oh, God, these sentences. It strikes me that folk takes their peril with them into Lorien and finds it there because they've brought it. But perhaps you could call her perilous because she's so strong in herself. You, you could dash yourself to pieces on her like a ship on a rock or drown yourself like a hobbit in a river, but neither rock nor river would be to blame. Now, Bor... <laughs> he stopped and went red in the face. Yes, now Boromir, you would say, said Faramir. What would you say? He took his peril with him? Yes, sir, begging your pardon, and a, f- and a fine man as your brother was, if I may say so. But you've been warm on the scent all along. Now, I watched Boromir and listened to him from Rivendell all down the road looking after my master, as you'll understand, and not meaning any harm to Boromir. And it's my opinion that in Lorien, he first saw clearly what I guessed sooner, what he wanted. From the moment he first saw it, he wanted the enemy's ring. Sam. Sam, Sam, Sam. Sam. Which is exactly what Frodo says. Sam, with an exclamation point. And then everything kind of just goes to shit for a minute. (laughs) And just as the hobbits sort of stand up and try to draw their swords and the whole cave... Like, the attention's all turned on them, and everybody's like, whoa. Uh, Faramir sort of laughs a bit, sits back down, and recalls his words from earlier, and holds them as a vow. 
and sort of says, not if I found it on the highway would I take it. And it's a very good moment. Uh, Faramir gives Sam a bit of a scolding for letting the secret slip, and Frodo tells Faramir of their plan to enter Mordor, cross Gorgoroth, Gorgoroth, and throw the ring into the fires of Mount Doom. Though Frodo does not think they can do it. Faramir looks on Frodo and Sam a little with new respect and honor and then Frodo pretty much collapses and Faramir carries him to bed and Sam and Faramir have this exchange. Good night, Captain, my lord, Sam said. You took the chance, sir. Did I so? said Faramir. Yes, sir, and showed your quality. The very highest. Faramir smiled. A pert servant, Master Samwise, but nay, the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. Yet there was not in this to praise. I had no lure or desire to do other than I have done. Ah, well, sir, said Sam, you said my master had an elvish air, and that was good and true. But I can say this. You have an air too, sir. That reminds me of, well, Gandalf, of wizards. Maybe, said Faramir, maybe you discern from far away the air of Numenor. Good night. Ho, 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 ho. It's so good. I love Faramir a lot. I wish he was more mm. in the books. More present, I'm assuming you mean? Yes. Okay. Um, Dangling modifiers, man. Um, so I did quote quite a bit from this chapter, but there are so many good lines in this chapter that I had a few that I wanted to also say that I didn't say while quoting. You know what I'm saying? Anyways. Yep. One, I believe this was Frodo to Faramir. Go back, Faramir, valiant captain of Gondor, and defend your city while you may, and let me go where my doom takes me. Doom. doom. That was we a good one, Rachel. That was recently. a good one. That was very good. <laughs> and then again from Frodo, ancient tales teach us also the peril of rash words concerning such things as heirlooms. And I feel like he just kind of summed up the Silmarillion there, <laughs> the entire thing. Okay, but no, can we? Do, he summed up all of the books, all of them. Oh, actually, you're right. Because the ring I is wasn't... an heirloom from Bilbo. So, but yes, well, he was specifically talking about. Well, the ring or whatever. But I I didn't think it really summed up uh, The Hobbit, but then uh, I guess the Arkenstone and the, the treasure in general. Yeah. Uh, everyone over there. So yes, yes, that sums up every story ever them. written by AJRR Tolkien, <laughs> apparently. Good old And then shirt. another, I, I just realized that all these were said by Frodo. <laughs> well, he is your favorite, so. He is my favorite. Not all is well there, but certainly gardeners are honored. About the Shire, obviously. So good. So good. Honestly, this might... I was trying to think back, but I I think that this might be my favorite chapter of the book. I agree. It's it's really mm-hmm. good. Like, At least it's, so it's far. Great dialogue, great pacing. I'm going to read a description that is one of my favorites. I just... Yeah. And we meet Faramir, mm. who I love. <laughs> yes, me too. Yeah. Good bits of, like, character tension and, you know, plot tension and then also you know, pretty descriptions of things. Yep. It's all Tolkien's favorite things. It's, that's so true. This is where he really got to flex. Wow, I hate I myself for using flex that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last chapter or two might be my actual favorite, but since we haven't gotten there yet, this is currently my favorite chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no memory of the coming chapters. That might yeah. be because you're used to them being at the beginning or in the middle of Return of the King in the movies. That's... probably what it's going to end up being. Okay, so I want to read the paragraph description that Faramir gives. It's hilariously one of those where they're like standing in the room and Faramir is describing the room that they're in to Frodo and Sam, which is, you know, not the greatest writing in the world, but it sounds so good. Um, So 
Well, here is our refuge, said Faramir. Not a place of great ease, but here you may pass the night in peace. It is dry, at least, and there is food, though no fire. At one time the water flowed down through this cave and out of that arch, but its course was changed further up the gorge by workmen of old, and the stream sent down in, in a fall of doubled height over the rocks far above. All the ways into this grot were then sealed against entry of water or aught else, all save one. There are now but two ways out. That passage yonder by which you entered blindfold, and through the window curtain into a deep bowl filled with knives of stone. Now rest a while until the evening meal is set. Thinking about the fate that befalls you if you jump yeah. off the edge. Like, oh, they're talking about like, this is... I don't know, this cave, this cavern, and the sound of a waterfall, and the soothing smooth stones, and here's this window, and outside this window is a giant bowl full of knives. Don't try to leave, you're gonna die. (laughs) I just love this. I don't know why. I just, this whole rapport they strike up with Faramir. It's it's pretty good. And the description of the waterfall was good, too. Yeah. Um, I just had, I had a exchange that I really loved, um, Shortly after that, when they were starting to eat, we had a little cultural exchange, <laughs> and it was really great. So it's, um, before they ate, Faramir and all his men turned and faced west in a moment of silence. Faramir signed to Frodo and Sam that they should do likewise. So we always do, he said as they sat down. We look toward Numenor that was, and beyond to Elvenholm that is, and to that which is beyond Elvenholm, and will ever be. Have you no such custom at meat? No, said Frodo, feeling strangely rustic and untutored. But if we are guests, we bow to our host. And after we have eaten, we rise and thank him. That we do also, said Faramir. That bit was good. Uh, I just didn't quite know how to include it in the summary because it was kind of random. So oh, yeah, I'm glad it, you brought it up. It's just totally there. But that's this chapter was full of those sort of little things. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I love the idea of them having this great, you know, looking towards the past and a little bit of the idea of like, you know, revering their ancestors above the current stuff. And yeah, then you have the hobbits like, also, we just sort of say thank you for good food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, I had one other thing that I looked up and then I switched to having that page opened on my whoops. So all of Gandalf's names, I think we actually oh, got. Right, yes. Just about oh, yeah. all of them in this one. So he's first referred to as the Grey Pilgrim by Faramir. And then mm-hmm. Frodo asks if he had a name, um, trying to confirm, I think, that it is Gandalf. Uh, and Faramir says that um, Mithrandir, we called him in elf fashion, and he was content. Many are my names in many countries, he said. Mithrandir among the elves, Tharkun to the dwarves, Aloran I was in my youth in the west that is forgotten, in the south in Canus. In the north, Gandalf. To the east, I go not. Um, and so we got lots of names, but one we hadn't heard before, which is the Incanus, which right, yes. I did a tiny bit of looking up, and apparently it was first written about by Tolkien as being something totally alien to the other uh, languages, but then later he talks about it being uh, adapted from Quenya. Mm-hmm. Um or, yeah, a variation on Quenya, um, which would kind of fit in with it being used in the South in Gondorish. But yep. I like that there's no specifics really given about what South it's from. And obviously, 
Faramir doesn't then call him Incanus. So it just sort of stuck in there. And it's a little bit of interesting history about Gandalf, who we know so much and yet nothing about. That's a good part. You're right. It is interesting. With some good stuff. There was just a lot of really good writing in this one and a lot of good information. And it was delivered in a good way. Mm -hmm. Just a good chapter. I just want Faramir to be in all of the chapters. Why is that so hard? (laughs) He is like, he's the most competent character since Hama. (laughs) Oh, I'm sad they never got to meet. They would have been such good friends. Oh, they would have been such a good ticket. Hama and Faramir 2020. I mean, or in Canada, Hama and Faramir 2019, because we vote (laughs) this month. October 21, Canadians. Federal election. Oh, God. (laughs) sorry elections scare me yeah let's not talk about that let's just talk about sauron being evil and taking over the world and the fall of the kings and all that fun stuff because much better well speaking of the coming weeks in october actually the week of when we would normally post an episode on october 16th we are not going to be posting an episode because caitlin's out of town Woo! travel yay i do highly recommend that rachel and emmy do something together but past encouragements of this point out that it's probably not gonna happen the shade <laughs> the shade but they uh they should we will consider it we will do our best that yes, i will i will be at disneyland so yay I mean, disneyland it. all right yep. so next week's homework is the two towers book four chapter six the forbidden pool and I believe we shall have the return of the Gollum Impressions. Woot! Yay! Uh, if you want to, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. There's fun things on there, like Rachel put together all of our short summaries from The Hobbit and made it into one long summary of the entire book. And it's really good because you can see how we used to actually care about our short summaries and not just have them be jokes. Like we do now, which is, I like better the jokes, and I think that that'll make for a funnier. Oh, yeah. The next the next string up will be really funny, but not up yet. And we've got some outtakes and interviews and more things. And remember, if we get to 50 patrons, we'll do a monthly donation to charities of all of our choices. And if you want to, you can tweet us at to read Tolkien. You can email us any questions, comments, or your Gollum impressions by the end of this book to want to read Tolkien at gmail.com. And you can check us out on Instagram at Instagram.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. And I believe that is everything. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Back when Boromir was actually still alive and I just dropped my book. <laughs> <laughs>